There's one thing I cannot understand, Watson. I'm relieved to hear that, Holmes. You can usually explain everything away. Now, what is it that confounds you? Accountancy. I've often thought it would be worth my while to engage a lady's secretary who could put my affairs in order, but... Ah, I do confess I cannot cope with balancing these bills. You're in financial trouble, Holmes? I don't think so, but then you see I understand these banking statements so little I can't be sure. Oh, well. I shall simply have to rely upon my bank manager's judgment. What a bore earning a living is. Present the stories of Sherlock Holmes. Tonight, the unpaid debt. about Sherlock Holmes' financial affairs, but I knew better than to try, and to offer to help would have been regarded as an insult. On the very morning when he placed aside his account books with a weary sigh, Mrs. Hudson announced a visitor. Lord Edison to see you, sir. Oh. Oh, he's not made an appointment, but I think I have the time. Uh, ask him in, will you please, Mrs. Hudson? Please come this way, my lord. Thank you. Mr. Holmes... I'm so sorry to call without making an appointment, but I was passing this way and rang the bell upon a sudden impulse. If this intrusion's inconvenient... Not at all. No, not at all. Uh, This is my friend and colleague, Dr. John Watson. Good morning. We worked together on many of my cases. Please feel free to speak openly in front of him. Very well. Uh, Do sit down. Smoke if you wish. I'm about to enjoy a pipe myself. Thank you. Mm. Uh, Now, I can tell that something's disturbing you. What made you rise so early and walk here through Regent's Park? Do you normally suffer from insomnia? Oh, gracious. Well, how could you have guessed that? Your boots are muddy. Earth clogged under the instep. Earth that has dried with leaves and the seeds of shrubs. Only one place near here where you could have picked that up. We had a shower early on, about seven o'clock. Since then, it's been a fine day. So, you must have walked out early as your coats and hats are still damp. You cut yourself whilst shaving and you're wearing cufflinks that do not match. All this indicates a distressed state of mind for a man of your station. Can I help you, my lord? I sincerely hope so, Holmes. The fact is that, like most men who have a townhouse and a cottage in the country, by the time of settlement taxes, I have very little money left. I uh, know exactly what you mean. Uh, Pray continue. Not only that, but uh, my pride has been hurt. I'll be frank, I'm something of a gambler. Not a week passes without I have a few friends in to dinner and a game afterwards. I did so a couple of nights or so ago. It was, on the whole, a lamentable evening. You lost heavily? No. No, on the contrary, I won a considerable amount. Hmm. I bet you'd better start from the very beginning and tell me everything that happened. You knew the people with whom you played? Oh, yes, yes, quite well. The party consisted of two men, a woman and myself. We were playing poker. One of the men was an American friend, Joe Van Heimer, over here on a short stay. The other man was Ernest Hardcastle, the son of a very old friend, Lionel Hardcastle. 
The lady was a charming widow, Mrs. Amanda Vane. We spent a most pleasant evening, the play going one way and then another, and the hour grew very late. Eventually, we decided upon one last game. Then came the time to settle up. Well, I guess that's enough for one night for me. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, I quite understand, Mr. Van Heimer. It's been quite a long evening. How do I stand? I think I've made money tonight. Fifty pounds, yes? Uh, you're right. Joe here owes you that. I seem to have been the lucky one. And I, the unlucky one. How much do I owe you? As much as three and a half thousand, I'm afraid, Ernest. Oh, well, it's yours tonight, mine next week. I'm afraid I shall not be able to write you a check on my own account this evening. The fact is that I'm overdrawn already, but dear Papa will help out. He always does. Will it be all right if I arrange things with him and then I'll send a check round in the course of tomorrow? Yes, yes, of course, of course. Well, I guess I can pay you out in cash and uh, get me a handsome back to the Dorchester. Oh, there's no need. I have a carriage waiting in the courtyard below. I should be only too pleased to drive home that way. What about you, Ernest? I think I'll walk. It isn't far. Clear my head. Just as you wish. Oh, dear. What a mess we've made of this room. Your servants will despise us when they come to clear away. Oh, that'll not be until late tomorrow morning. I'm leaving everything just as it is, and I've given orders not to be disturbed. Oh. <laughs> well, I guess it's good night. Uh, thank you, and uh, thank you, and we'll be in touch. Yes, yes, of course. Good night, Amanda. Good night, good night. Joe. Good night. Bad luck, Ernest. Oh, I'm only lending you the money. I'll take it off you again next week. Father will settle up tomorrow. Good night. Thanks for a lovely evening. I have enjoyed myself. Good night. Good night, Amanda. Good night, Joe. Good night. Good night. As you say, a profitable evening. Well, there seems no trouble there. Did the cheque arrive the next day? Two days later. It was an open cheque, and I went round to Ernest's bank to cash it. Imagine my surprise when they refused to do so. They stamped it not payable. The cheque had been stopped. Why, I don't know. You think that Ernest's father refused? Well, 3000 is well, it's quite a lot of money. Perhaps he decided that he couldn't afford it. No, no, no. Hardcastle has more money than he knows what to do with. And he must have given Ernest the money to put in his own accounts before he could write me out the cheque. But why was it stopped? Why did Ernest write out a cheque and then have it stopped immediately? Well, it is very strange, isn't it? But why come to me? What makes you think I can do anything about it? Frankly, I'm afraid of some sort of scandal. Lionel Hardcastle's an extremely influential man. If he and his son feel they have a good reason for stopping that check, then I'm on dangerous ground. If I tell people that Ernest has welched on a debt, his honor will be questioned. He'll naturally defend himself, and there'll be the most almighty scandal. Every club in London will be gossiping. I can't afford that. Frankly, I need to clear this matter up silently... And I need to be paid the money that I've won. I need the cash. Mm, I see. But uh, if Ernest Hardcastle is indeed a, a friend of yours, then can't you quietly call upon him and chat this over in a friendly manner? Ask him man to man what the trouble is. I've tried that. I knew that Ernest would be at his club at lunchtime yesterday and made a point of being there. I came across him in the billiard room. Ah, Ernest. Hello. Very man I wish to see. Look here. What is all this nonsense over that check? Do you think this is quite the right place to discuss such things? It's as good as any other, isn't it? Come, a short answer. Well, this is deuced awkward. I'm, I'm most fearfully sorry, but the, the fact is that, well, my father ordered me to stop payment. But why? I don't know. Honestly, I don't. I simply received a message from him ordering me to stop payment to you. You know what father is like. I, I have to obey, obey him no matter what he asks, and I... 
I uh, don't know why he demanded that I did so. Oh, excuse me now. I, I have to play. And that was that. I don't feel like having an open confrontation with Lionel Hardcastle himself. I thought I'd call on you. You have a reputation of solving delicate problems with discretion. Thank you. Then, will you help? I will try. I have my own methods, of course. I must be allowed complete freedom. No, oh, you shall have it. Uh, regarding payment, as I've told you, I am rather hard up at the present. That's why I need that check. So, uh... Uh, The debt is for 3,500, not so? I take it that you would be happy with the round figure of 3,000. My bank manager would be pleased to accept the rest. Good day, Lord Edgerton. I couldn't help smiling at the way Holmes neatly adjusted his bank balance that morning. For I had no doubt that he would succeed in straightening matters out. It was a simple matter for a man of his reputation to gain an audience with the millionaire Lionel Hartcastle. Glad of this opportunity to make your acquaintance, Holmes. Wish it could have been made in other circumstances. Thank you. I've been as frank as I can. I'm representing Lord Edgerton, who feels too embarrassed by the circumstances to call himself. Appreciate that. If the expression does not appear too jocular, I shall lay my cards on the table. At the general settlement of that poker game, your son had to pay Lord Edgerton £3,500. He agreed to pay the debt. You advanced him the money which he placed in his account. He then wrote out a cheque and delivered it. But suddenly you demanded it be stopped. Now, to my mind, someone must have influenced you in that decision. Oh? Of course. It could surely have been one of only two people. The other two seated round that card table. Joe Van Heimer or Mrs. Amanda Vane. Mr. Van Heimer is about his business. According to the Dorchester, a very busy man. That leaves Amanda Vane. Now, what did she say to you that made you stop that check, Mr. Hardcastle? <sighs> You're as astute as they say you are, Holmes. You are quite correct. Mrs. Vane wrote me a note informing me that, in her opinion, the game had been a cheat from beginning to end. Ah, that is as I thought. Uh, do you know Mrs. Vane very well? I can't say that I do. I have met her, say, half a dozen times, but that's all. And yet you are prepared to accept her accusation against the sound reputation of Lord Edgerton, a man you have known and been friendly with for many years? How very extraordinary. It's not extraordinary at all. You see, Holmes, I have since met with Mrs. Vane, and she is able to prove her accusation. The games in which my son lost that considerable amount of money were played with a rigged deck of cards. And Lord Edgerton used them to cheat him. I am prepared to remain silent upon the matter, provided that Edgerton drops it at once and never asks a member of my family into his home again. Perhaps you'll be good enough to convey that message back to him. Good day to you, Holmes. When I got back to Baker Street that afternoon, I found Sherlock Holmes awaiting me with some impatience. He was dressed very smartly and obviously about to go out. He insisted that I went with him. It was the last thing I wanted to do, but he was adamant. I was forced to wash and change and accompany him to Eaton Square. The sumptuous home of Mrs. Amanda Vane. I found her totally enchanting. She smiled her welcome and assumed the role of a shrewd hostess. I take it that this is a business visit, Mr. Holmes. But that is no reason why you should not enjoy it. There's whiskey and soda here, and cigarettes at your elbow. I'm sure the doctor would approve of a little stimulant after a hard day. May I have a small whiskey? Uh, well, yes, of course. <laughs> well, thank you, Mrs. Vane. But before going any further, I must point out that you've put yourself in something of a predicament. Oh, good. Really, life is so boring for me, doing the same dreary social rounds that any kind of predicament sounds most exciting. 
And I must admit that I'm completely thrilled at meeting so famous a detective. I shall dine out on this for weeks. Here, your drink, ma'am. Oh, thank you, Doctor. Oh, do help yourself. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hmm. Just right. Now, Mr. Holmes, please explain my predicament. I feel I should know what it is. You wrote a note to Lionel Hardcastle regarding a certain poker game. Later, you visited him and told him that the game's a crooked one. Due to your visit, Hardcastle ordered his son to stop payment on a check for his debts. Now, the inference is that Lord Edgerton is a cheat. Now, have you heard of the laws of libel and slander, Mrs. Vane? If this comes out and you cannot prove your accusation, a suit against you would cost you a great deal of money. Oh, I know. I was aware of that before I did what I did. But what else could I do once I was convinced that the game was cheated? Well, how do you know it was? What is your proof? Well, it's really all rather simple. You see, I have no reason in the world to complain. After all, I won 50 pounds. From whom? Joe Van Heimer. And he paid me there and then in notes. Lucky me. To tell you the truth, I was thrilled a bit. I'm normally not very lucky at cards. <laughs> I do better at love, I must admit. <laughs> anyway, the game broke up very late, and I gave Mr. Van Heimer a lift back to Dorchester in my carriage. And when I was in the carriage, I realized I'd left my vanity bag behind. <laughs> so silly. I remembered exactly where I'd left it. I put the money Joe had given me in my purse, and my purse in my large handbag. That one, hanging from its strap over that chair. But my vanity bag, I'd left out. Well, the very next morning, I was leaving from Euston to Tring on the early 7.20 train. I had to virtually pass the Edgerton home. I stopped my carriage and called. I know it was very early and hardly the done thing, but I knew only the servants would be up. Fortunately, old Harris, the handyman, was there. He let me in. He knows me. So it was all right. I told him I'd find my own way out. So I went into the room where we played cards the night before. It was exactly as we'd left it, even to the empty glasses and the smell of stale cigarette stubs. I found my bag, just where I knew it would be, and I was about to leave when... when... Yes, go on. Well, the early morning sunlight was streaming through the lace curtains, and it fell across the card table and illuminated the back of the cards, lying just as we left them, scattered across the table. I picked one up and looked at the glazed back of it. Then I picked up another and studied that. And then another. They... they were all marked. Marked? Yes. Very cleverly marked with pinpricks along the edge of the borders. Tiny pinpricks, which you could hardly see unless you looked for them. But if you were dealing, I knew you could tell the value of the cards by touch, providing you knew the code. I see. How very clever. And then? Why... I stood there for some minutes trying to take it all in. Then I examined the other cards. They all carried some kind of small indentation. I didn't know what to do. Then I made up my mind. I took five or six cards at random and left the house. Later, I wrote to Mr. Hardcastle and took those cards along to show him. I left the decision to him. He stopped Ernest's check. And really, I don't think anyone can blame him. Sure you won't have another drink, Mr. Holmes? Holmes declined a drink and wished Amanda Vane a good evening. He was silent as we walked down into Sloane Square and hailed a handsome cab. And it wasn't until we were clattering our way up Sloane Street that he broke the silence. Mm, it won't do, Watson. It just won't do. Just a sad state of affairs for Lord Edgerton. Mrs. Vane acted very well within her rights. After all, Holmes, what else could the lady do? That is exactly the point, Watson. I'm a man who deals in facts, a man who searches for clues. 
The clues aren't necessarily all material ones that can be studied under a microscope. One can detect from people's behavior. And Mrs. Vane's behavior was extraordinary. I thought she was a perfect hostess. I mean when she applied to the facts of the card game. For instance, why did she go to Hardcastle Senior about the cheated game? Surely the man she should have gone to is the man she played the game with. The man who stood to lose 3,500 pounds. Ernest Hardcastle is a grown man, but he's not a very spoilt puppy and very much under his father's thumb. But he was the one directly involved. Why didn't she go to him? Well, perhaps she did. Uh, if she did, he'd know the reason for stopping the check. He says he doesn't. Well, I, well, I don't understand. Amanda Vane didn't go to Ernest and tell him the game was a cheat. And she didn't go to Joe Vanheimer either. Now, why? Because it was necessary to their little plot that there should seem to be no collusion between them. Collusion? What? Between Mrs. Vane and Ernest Hardcastle? Oh, yes, of course. What, you mean that the, the whole thing was in an elaborate trick? Look at it this way, Watson. Lord Edgerton told us that Lionel Hardcastle was accustomed to paying his son's gambling debts. He's a millionaire. He's not going to have society saying his son cannot pay his way. But clearly Hardcastle knows of his extravagances. So he keeps him on a short supply of money. So short that Ernest feels that sometimes he has to trick his father into giving more. I still don't understand. I'm sorry. Ernest and Amanda Vane worked it all out. They go for a poker game at Lord Edgerton's as partners. If they both won, then of course it would be all right, but Ernest loses heavily, and the party breaks up. Amanda Vane leaves her vanity bag behind on purpose. Next morning, knowing the habits of Edgerton's household, she goes round there and gets herself admitted by Harris, the handyman. She sends him about his business, saying she'll let herself out. In the card room, she finds her vanity bag. From it, she extracts a slender hat pin and quickly makes a series of marks on the cards in front of her. It'll be easy, a matter of ten minutes at the outside. Then she takes some of the cards and leaves. Well, Holmes, is this possible that that beautiful-looking woman, so, so charming... And... Unlike you, I've never allowed my mind to be swayed by a woman's looks. She went to Lionel Hardcastle because she knew his reaction would be to order Ernest to stop payment on the check. Holmes, but surely you could be wrong. I mean, well, I, I can't believe that Amanda Vane is a liar. I think she's worse than that. And she gets her facts wrong. I know the train's out of Euston on a weekday morning. There is no train on the main line to Tring at 7.20. The northbound expresses don't stop at Tring. The first train out of Euston that does is the 10.5 for Coventry. It's a small point, but significant. Oh, Holmes. Holmes, if you, if you are correct, then what are we to do? Well, I think if they can cheat, then so can I. Uh, driver? Driver? Yes, sir? I've changed my mind. Not Baker Street. Take us to Hanover Square, number five. The home of Lord Arthur Edgerton. And smartly, please... arrival at Hanover Square, Holmes asked me to stay in the cab. He ran up the steps, rang the bell, and was admitted by the butler. Twenty minutes elapsed before he returned, a grim smile of satisfaction on his face. Climbing into the cab, he said, Ah, well, that's that. It'll cost his lordship another hundred pounds, and the hire of the Rose Room at the Dorchester, but I think it will be worth it. You have an interesting evening out in front of you for tomorrow, Watson. Uh, uh, Baker Street now. Thank you, driver. I knew better than to question Holmes when he was in one of his secretive moods. I would have to be kept in the dark along with everyone else. But I did make sure that I was free the next evening, and once again, suitably attired for the occasion, I accompanied him to the Dorchester Hotel. We were shown to the Rose Room, and there were Lord Edgerton and the American, to whom I was introduced, Joe Van Hymer. We were given drinks, and then Hardcastle and his son arrived. I really don't understand all this. 
What is it all about? I received your telegram, Holmes, but... Oh. Edgerton. I hardly expected this. Good evening, Lionel. Yes. Good evening, Ernest. Yes. I don't think you know Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson, do you? Good evening. Look, what does this mean? If there is no explanation, then I think we should go with Watson. Please don't go before our last guest arrives. Ah, here she is. Uh, please come in, Mrs. Van. Good evening. I came in answer to your telegram, Ernest. I didn't expect a gathering like this. What does it mean? Well, come along now. Uh, please, please do allow me, do allow me to offer my apologies. I'm afraid I've been guilty of sending telegrams under false names. I'm sorry, but I needed to gather you all together, and it seemed the only way. I think we all know now of the trouble that arose out of the poker game held at Lord Edgerton's the other evening. There's been a great deal of confusion, and I think it right that the truth be told between these four walls. I do assure you that as far as I'm concerned, it will never be talked of again outside this room. Get to the point, man. Very well. I have to say that a false accusation has been made against the integrity of my client, Lord Edgerton. Mrs. Vane maintains that he played with marked cards for the last game in which Ernest Hardcastle lost a very great deal of money. That accusation is completely untrue. How dare you? I stand by every word I say. The cards were marked with pinpricks, but you marked them the morning after the game <clears throat> when you called to collect your vanity back. Now, didn't you, Mrs. Vane? That's a lie, a wicked lie. You, you cannot prove that. No? There's one other person here who has yet to make an appearance. Let me draw back the curtain. Good evening. Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, I was told to come here, like Mr. Holmes said. Because this man saw you using a hat pin to make those marks. The door was slightly ajar. There's a mirror on the wall near the fireplace. You were actually seen, Mrs. Bain. Man, you fool, you stupid blundering fool. Oh. Why didn't you make sure you were alone? Thank you. That's all we needed to know. I think Hardcastle, Lord Edgerton... You must decide future actions between yourselves, don't you? Of course, Ernest knew that once the money was in the bank, his father would never ask for it to be returned, so he was £3,500 to the good. He isn't now, but I'm £500 better off. And uh, the man, Harris? He is £100 to the good. Uh, you will notice, Watson, that he didn't actually lie at all. He just had to appear. I did the lying for him. Mrs. Vane's reaction and Ernest Hardcastle's sense of guilt did the rest. Yes, quite a profitable investigation. I'm sure my bank manager would be very pleased. Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage's Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson.